0: Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to talk to RJ Ochoa from the Dallas Cowboys SB Nation site, Blogging the Boys. He's also one of the hosts of the SB Nation NFL show. And we are going to take a deep dive into free agency here in the NFC East, take a look at what the Cowboys are doing, the Washington football team is doing, and the New York Giants are doing. And we'll talk a little Carson Wentz as well and uh, take, you know, get his thoughts on how the Eagles are doing in free agency. And uh, just so you guys are aware, at the time we recorded this interview, the Eagles had done absolutely nothing on, in free agency. And this was before they signed free agent safety Anthony Harris to a one-year deal worth $5 million. Again, that's according to Adam Schefter. Now, this is a obviously the first big move the Eagles have made so far this offseason. It's a, a solid free agent signing. I know he's just about to turn 30 years old, so... For a rebuilding team, this is not a a long-term... Uh, building block unless he signs uh, another contract with the Eagles after this coming season. But uh, the safety room was in such dire need of someone with real talent there. And here's a guy who finished fifth out of 100 safeties, according to Pro Football Focus, since becoming regular starting in 2018, second out of 98 in 2019, and then kind of fell back a little bit. Last year was 38th out of 99 safeties, according to Pro Football Focus. But uh, his 118.1 passer rating when targeted in 2019, 2020, according to pro football reference was much worse than the 44.2 mark he put up in 2019 or 58.1 in 2018 so clearly he had a down season in 2020 which is likely why the Eagles were able to pick him up for the low cost of just five million dollars on a one-year prove-it deal for him this is a guy who has been a ball hawk at safety for most of his career and with the exception of last year has been a very productive player so the Eagles are hoping for a bounce back season here from Anthony Harris. Harris did overlap with New Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon while they were both with the Vikings. So again, n- he had a big season in 2019. A much, a much worse season last year. Not sure what the Eagles are going to get. And again, this is not a long-term building block unless he has a great season and the Eagles decide when they have a little more cap room and the cap jumps up again next year that they want to keep him. And they certainly could do that, but that's also a little bit risky for a guy who's going to be going into his 30s here this season. So, um, it's not a, it's not a move for the long term. But this also does give the Eagles some a solid core of players on defense and this is a guy who will help you win a ballgame or two this year. This is, I mean, with with Jalen Mills out the door and, and Rodney McLeod's future in doubt, with his, with his health situation completely up in the air, and the team never really recovering from losing Malcolm Jenkins last year, here's a guy who will provide stability to the free safety position and maybe get a turnover or two for a defense that has been sorely lacking in the ability to turn, to turn the ball over, to, to take the ball away from opponents over the last few years. So this is a big signing. This is a really solid signing for the Eagles uh, under Howie Roseman. I'm impressed with this signing. I think it's a good one, but this is not something we talked about with R.J. Ochoa on the podcast, and so when we were speaking that it all happened before the Harris signing. So just as you're listening and we're talking about the Eagles doing absolutely nothing, keep in mind it's before they actually did something. And with that, joining me to talk a little bit about free agency and what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys and the rest of the NFC East is R.J. Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, one of the hosts also of the SB Nation NFL show. You, of course already follow him on twitter but if you don't i mean the off chance you don't are at rj ochoa rj thanks for coming back on eye on the enemy buddy how are you
1: i'm doing well john always great to be with you great to be around bgn radio the second best podcast that uh sb nation communities offer of course uh, is my obligation to say uh, right. it's been a I while i appreciate
0: your support of the phillies podcast the good fight i mean obviously That's- number one so i appreciate that yeah
1: clearly what I'm talking about, obviously. Um, (laughs) You know, the Phillies are my two teams specifically for you, so uh, I'm happy to see the success that you're having there, but uh, but yeah, I mean, all is well. And and it's been a while. Things have changed uh, a bit dramatically within the division. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Wentz last we spoke. Um, Wentz himself uh, was still on the Eagles. Dak Prescott had not signed a contract. And, um, you know, the, the sun rose in the morning and the moon rose at night. But, you know, things have gotten all turned around here over these last few weeks uh, since we last talked. Um, And so let's let's kind of dive into, obviously, the biggest news where you are. And that, of course, is Dak Prescott and the the signing of the contract extension. I got to imagine more than anything else, you're just relieved not to have to talk about it anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it really it was a bit surprising uh, when it happened the Monday before the tag deadline. And I really thought that they were going to go through with 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 the tag. I thought that they were going to maybe get something done, but that it would get, you know, come a little bit closer to the July 15th deadline. And so it was uh, shaping up to be a really frustrating week and a really frustrating couple of months. It it is refreshing, it is pacifying. Uh, I know you had a tweet the other day, you know, telling me like, yeah, that's exactly how we felt. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we 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 talked about this a lot at BTB, How how Dak clearly won in the negotiations, and a lot of people say, well, why do you care? It's, well, the Cowboys could have spent a lot less money to to accomplish this, and. Um, you know, we hoped that they would kind of learn from their mistakes uh, and approach free agency with a different vigor than they've kind of demonstrated over the last few years. But that hasn't exactly been the case. Uh, But still, Dak Prescott is a cowboy and it feels like they're overwhelming division favorites. And I think that's enough to help people sleep at night for now.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at the quarterback situation, you know, the Eagles are going with Jalen hurts and who knows what Jalen hurts is going to be, but it looks like Jalen hurts is the starter next year. And then um, Washington has uh, brought aboard Fitzmagic, magic, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we're going to get to Washington in just a second. And I guess it's still Daniel Jones in New York. I mean, it was a pretty nondescript season for him this year, but obviously Dak Prescott is by far the best quarterback in this division, but uh, ta- looking at what the, the Cowboys uh, are doing in free, agency so far over these uh, over these first few days i was reading a post on on blogging the boys and um it seemed as though the indications i was getting is that the fan base is a little bit underwhelmed with what uh, dallas has done so far is that right
1: yeah and um i think something i've seen so far this free agency is that there are a lot of fan bases that feel that way um and not that the cowboys like have the the corner on this market but it does kind of feel like cowboys fans at least do Um, this is who they are and I I know this feels like a long time ago but the Cowboys very uh, historically infamously missed out on Namdi Asamoah in 2011 and the next year they landed Brandon Carr in free agency and they really feel like that deal did not work out for them. I think Brandon Carr was a fine player Um, you know was consistent but didn't have the interceptions that you pay for in free agency and since then they have been spooked. I mean they Mm -hmm. just refuse to participate in the first wave of free agency uh, infamously again a couple of years ago when the Arizona Cardinals first released Tyron Matthew they were in the Bahamas when he was uh, you know talking to different teams uh, so that that really kind of just has people feeling like you know Jerry Jones um, has said two things uh, over time he has said that if he could buy a Super Bowl he would and you know this is literally the time where you do that but but they don't um, and what's more is in the press conference where they announced Dak Prescott's contract to the world he said that you know when when he's tried to pay a bargain for something that that's typically what he's gotten and in spite of that the Cowboys sit out free agency they pick up a couple of guys in the second and third wave and that's what they've done to this point and and I think that you know since that Nandi you know point I think every team in the division has been active at one point or another the Eagles have, have been active a couple of different times the Giants had that um you know that snacks harrison you know type run they went on that was certainly different in 2016 washington has, has been players at different times in different capacities but the cowboys just don't want to and and you know they had one of like not they didn't have just one of the worst defenses in the nfl last year they had one of the worst defenses of all time and at the time of you and i talking all they've done to improve that in terms of external additions is bring in two defensive tackles and one edge rusher in, in Terrell Basham. And so, I mean, maybe they have a lot of hope and faith in Dan Quinn, but I feel like that's misguided at this point.
0: Well, and, and the other thing too, is I remember back to last year, the the Cowboys got a lot of praise for a lot of the, uh, the, the, Defensive signings they made late in free agency and, and none of them worked out. And it's you, you can't just go back and look at just one year of, of things working or not working. But, you know, if that's the strategy, you may hit on somebody you may. Sure. Hit, but you, there's also a reason why those guys linger for as long as they do. And, and it turned and it really did blow up in the Cowboys faces last year and was one of the reasons why the defense struggled as much as it did.
1: Yeah, I mean, last year there, I think Gerald McCoy would have been legitimate had, had he not gotten hurt on the first day of training camp, but obviously he did. But outside of that, Dontari Poe, Daryl Worley, Everson Griffin wasn't in free agency, but he was a right, free agent right. acquisition. Um, you know, none of them worked out. I mean, but but you're right. I mean, in years past, uh, lots of Eagles cast offs, Nolan Carroll, Cedric Thornton. Uh, Benson Mayoa, uh, Jeremy Mincy. I mean, like, they are not, you know, Andrew Gatchker. I mean, like, they they don't believe those are the dudes that they've brought in on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. And you know, they spend first round picks on offense, and you wonder, well, how's their offense so good and their defense always so bad? I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. And, um, it's you know, the, the only guys that they've been linked to that, that kind of have name value were super obvious, they've been linked to. DeMonte Casey and to Keanu Neal who played for Dan Quinn with the Atlanta Falcons. And so it's, it's a little troubling. In fact, it's extremely troubling how predictable they are and that they're predictably this
0: point. Let's look at um, some of the other teams around the NFC East. And I think one of the teams that's gotten some high marks in, in free agency so far is the Washington football team, the defending division champs. I, I, you know, I, the, the move I love, I love the Curtis Samuel move. I think that's a really smart move for them. Uh, William Jackson's a good cornerback. I think that was a, a good move for them. I'm I'm less sure about Ryan Fitzpatrick. The only thing I'm sure about with Ryan Fitzpatrick is that he will shred the Eagles the two times they Because the, he does that every single time he plays Philadelphia. So that's absolutely going to happen. Um, but what do you make of Washington's uh, free agency run so far? It seems like they're filling some needs with some actually some good players here.
1: Yeah, and... I think what's most concerning to me is that they've they've been able to land these these players in in a market that is lower than usual which would suggest that that these players are buying into the culture there and that is really wow. troubling like that's always been this I mean I I know you're like I agree with you but like that's always been this like assumption right like they'll they'll be a disaster forever and I think you know, the Eagles ended up winning a Super Bowl, obviously, in this run. But that—that that is – and so did the Giants to that, that point. Like, that is a grave mistake for the Cowboys that they, they've had this – and they still kind of have this, this window where Washington is on the down, Philadelphia now on the down. The Giants still, you know, committed to Jason Garrett's offense with Daniel Jones. And so, I mean, I don't know how you can go dry in all of that, but somehow they have. I'm very concerned by Washington. I thought the William Jackson signing was impressive. And very unlike the Cowboys, in that they they said, "Okay, fine. Our defense was really good. Let's keep adding." And that's that's mm. definitely not the Cowboys' way. I am I'm really impressed with the Curtis Samuel addition. The other thing is I'm I don't I think it's strange when um when like teams just relocate effectively like all these Panthers flocking to Washington. Yeah. Now, it's like, well, yeah. you know, you can't just take the whole <laughs> unit there and, and expect <laughs> it all to just be different. Uh, but still, I mean, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, um, now the second best wide receiver duo in the NFC East, obviously. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I just uh, I think you said something and I I agreed with you when it happened in real time with Washington winning a terrible NFC East this year. It really did help the rest of the NFC East in a way, because it kind of forced Washington to punt their, their hunt for a new right. uh, franchise quarterback for another year. And, and you're thinking, Oh, what are they going to do? You know, Tyler Heineke played pretty well in the playoff game, but are you going to hit your wagons to Tyler Heineke after one pretty good playoff game? I mean, are you going to, uh, are, are you going to give it to, um, I'm not blanking on the, 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 backup quarterback who came from Carolina, Kyle, Kyle Allen, right?
1: Oh, uh um, yeah, Kyle Allen, yeah, I was gonna I say Brandon, Brandon Allen's the punter. Yeah. Kyle
0: <laughs> Allen fighting <laughs> Texas Aggie Kyle Allen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Kyle Allen is, is still there and now, but they, then they go and they, and they bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick and, you know, he's a guy who's streaky. You know, he reminds me kind of a lot of Nick Foles in, in that way. Like when he's hot, he can, he can really do some damage, but he can also get pretty cold. He's got that gunslinger mentality, which is fine when it's working, but, but not fine when it's not working. So, you know, how serious a threat is because I think it is Washington and Dallas are, are really the two threats to, to you know, in the NFC East this year with Philadelphia and, and New York still struggling a little bit. How much how much closer did Washington? Um, I guess Washington didn't narrow the gap. They won the division. But, you know, how close are these two teams right now?
1: You know, I think um, I mean, that the, the, the biggest X factor there is obviously Dak Prescott and um, and how well he plays and, and how the Cowboys offense continues to soar. Um, as an example, I, I think the Cowboys probably beat Philly the first time if, mm-hmm. if Dak plays in that game. I think maybe, say they, they split the series with Washington in that sense. I mean, right there, you've already gotten Dallas to eight wins and, and Washington's down to six. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I think the gap is, if we want to put like a number on it, like one and a half to two games just kind of off the bat. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of our writers, Connor Livesey, had a tweet this past week that I really liked where he said that Washington's roster is so much better than the Cowboys and certainly defensively, uh, but, but that, you know, Dallas has the, the best quarterback on the division by far. And it's, it's mm. a quarterback game. It's quarterback league. I think if, if something we like to do at BTB every offseason is we build like the team of the NFC East and we'll take a quarterback and a running back uh, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers and secondary the only non-Washington units that I would take, I would take Dak over every division's quarterback, or the, all quarterbacks in the division, and the Cowboys' pass catchers. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. outside of that, like, I, I mean, Saquon Barkley, fine, but, I mean, running backs don't matter. I would take the whole Washington defense, and, like, that's just, like, you're asking Dak Prescott to play hero ball, and while I think mm-hmm. he's capable of that, you know, the reliability of that versus an entire defensive group, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, not, it's not a fair fight in that capacity, and so... I think the gap is closer just because of of the statistical, you know, anomaly that it would have to take.
0: Last thing, um, about the NFC East. Well, and then we'll uh, take a break before we continue here. Uh, looking at the giants, you know, Devonte Booker, uh, signed to a two year, $6 million deal. Um, Leonard Williams gets a three year, $63 million deal with 45 million guaranteed. You know, you've got, uh, John Ross wide receiver signs for a one year, two and a half million dollar deal. Uh, PFF did not grade, um, the, uh, the, the Williams deal or the Booker deal very well. Um, but they did give high marks for the Ross deal. Cause it's such a, such a cheap deal. Um, I still don't know what to make of New York. I still don't know what to make. I mean, obviously, losing Saquon Barkley last year hurt them. I don't know how many games it hurt them because, like you said, running backs don't really matter. But mm-hmm. um, you know, with Daniel Jones, who is still a mystery, still an enigma here as he as he coming comes into year three, I, I still don't know what to make of the Giants and, and Joe Judge. You know, I mean, have are are they are they doing enough in free agency? It's, it's, it seems like free agency has been kind of. Dull for for everyone so far here this offseason and maybe that's the salary cap. I don't know, but where where are you at with the Giants?
1: I find it to be criminal whenever teams have quarterbacks on rookie contracts and and don't go all in. Mm-hmm. I admire that that Howie Rose. I I think I think more highly of Howie Roseman than I think most of your listeners do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it worked, right? Like yeah, <laughs> like it it, it worked for Philadelphia and it worked for Kansas City. Not that Patrick Mahomes you know needed a lot of help, but um, I mean Chicago even did it like we've I mean we've all stunted on the Bears but even they understood the like need for that and mm-hmm. um, you know we'll see obviously how it works out now with Andy Dalton but I mean I don't know I feel for Daniel Jones I mean because all they've like Kyle Rudolph that's your like that's you know it's not even like socks for Christmas that's like oh <laughs> we didn't put the tree up you know like this it's well good morning you know breakfast is on the table like that's all it is and so I feel for him in that capacity. Golden Tate's gone. Like, I mean, so, like, Jason Garrett's going to run 12 personnel forever with Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram and and just, you know, try to feed Saquon Barkley the ball 30 times a game. I mean, it's it's a recipe for this. And that's the thing, like, Jason Garrett's a fine man and an incredible leader and, and a great person, but. This, this has always felt doomed, and I think it, it, it did doom in 2020. And so I'm thrilled that the Giants are bringing it all back. I do think that Daniel Jones, ironically, is kind of on that Mitchell Trubisky path where maybe maybe next year or two years from now we're talking about him backing up, you know, I don't know, Lamar Jackson or somebody, and he gets a chance to kind of sit on ice and chill and, and resuscitate his career. But, but this is, this has always felt broken, even the Daniel Jones thing from the moment they picked him.
0: Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I going to ask you about some Eagles stuff, and we'll go around the NFL a little bit more uh, with RJ Ochoa coming up here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. So let me talk to you a little bit about the Eagles now, because um, we we still have not. Hopefully, now I guess it's never going to be. The door is never going to be closed on Carson Wentz talk, and I don't want to talk a lot about Carson Wentz on the podcast because he's gone. He's not. He's not a member of our football team anymore, and I'm still, you know, a little upset about that. I don't. I I'm not like. Super upset that he's not in Philadelphia anymore, but it's, it's disappointing that it all worked out the way that it did. And I don't know how much of the news conference you caught with the Colts. I don't know how much you heard him on with the Pat McAfee show today or whatever, but he's, he's, I think the quote that has got Eagles fans the most upset is when he talked about knowing or thinking for the first time that his time would be up with the Eagles when he got benched in Green Bay. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. have taken that to mean the second he got benched, rightfully so, because he was playing poorly, he started looking for a way out. Is that how you read it, or is there more nuance to it that maybe Philadelphia Eagles fans aren't really picking up on?
1: No, I read it exactly that way. I think uh, I know. I've said here with you before that that you know the Eagles. I don't want to say didn't do Carson Wentz any favors, but but they certainly. Um, they certainly exacerbated the aggression that surrounded him. And it's, you know, I, I, I kind of hate the trope of this, but it is a different place to play. And you've mm-hmm. got to have different skin. You've got to be cut from a different cloth. And I think Jalen Hurts is, he's, he's that, he's, I think Carson Wentz is an alpha, but like Jalen is like an alpha with a capital A mm-hmm. and, and therefore like able to withstand the, you know, the difficulties of playing in that place. And so I, I don't think it has helped Carson Wentz's um, maybe not psyche but ego that you know all of this happened and then that a playoff team that is highly regarded whose front office is highly regarded came calling came to rescue him I mean it really does feel in his mind I think like he was wronged and um, I think he's he's trying to say all of the right like it, it feels like he's gone back and studied every person who's been through this situation. Like he's taking, you know, plays out of the JJ Watt book, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I would be heavily annoyed. I, I think it's, it's supremely annoying. And I think he's, as a football player, pretty entitled. Um, and I think, I think he's convinced himself the small marketness of this all it's, it was Philly's fault, the fans, the culture, they willed this into existence, which may or may not be slightly true. I mean, whatever. Yeah. You know, I I think that I think Carson Wentz is the type of person who deleted Nick Foles from his contact list, who deleted Doug Peterson from his contact list, and <laughs> um, you know, I I also saw that he uh, he wasn't going to answer any questions about the Eagles in his introductory press conference. Like again, alpha with a lowercase a. Like you yeah. you've got to be willing to. Hand- That's what I love about Dak Prescott. Like that dude will yeah. will handle anything and there's a way to handle it without, you know, completely answering the question. But um, it's, it's, it's very funny, um, honestly. And like, I wanted to root for Carson now because I want to root for him to succeed and, and for this to be an even bigger disaster for the Eagles. But now I'm having a hard time. Um, Because like, he does seem super whiny about it all. And so I also don't like that he picked number two. Um, It feels like he is encroaching on the like, tall, lanky quarterback to wear number two territory that Matt Ryan owns. Mm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't know, like it, it just feels, it feels, I mean, this is topical, I guess it feels like Donovan McNabb, not in Washington, but in Minnesota.
0: Ah, that's, and then obviously that was more towards the end of McNabb's career where you would imagine Wentz is still in his prime, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about the, Kind of like the, the rebranding. It's like a like almost like a full on rebranding with Carson in Indianapolis. And and I agree with you, man. I I I I I tried to have Carson's back pretty much all year because I really do. You do have to go back and look at everything that happened with with twenty. It's almost like the price that the Eagles paid for winning the Super Bowl was losing Carson Wentz four years later. Totally. Because you know I still think the Eagles probably win the Super Bowl with Wentz. That's how good he was playing, and I I don't I don't believe a lot of the re, you know the the revisionist history that is only Nick Foles could have could have won that Super Bowl for them. But the fact remains, Nick Foles did it, and then won the locker room and. I'm sure Wentz, you know, whens talked about he didn't really enjoy that season, the 2017 season, watching Nick Foles win the Super Bowl. And I can I can understand that. That had to be so hard. And, you know, I was trying to understand that and come from his perspective. And then the next year, he's coming back from the injury and he's he's trying to get up from under it and he just can't. He can't play. He's his back goes out on him. Nick Foles takes him on another run. His teammates create a Nick Foles shrine in the locker room. I mean, it's clear there's a big portion of the locker room that doesn't that would prefer one guy over the other. And so he's got to get over that hurdle. And then he finally thinks he does. And they, they draft Jalen hurts that all being said, I totally agree with the alpha with a small a, like you gotta be able to just say I'm Carson Wentz, man, you know, and I wish he had taken some ownership too of his benching. You know, it's, it's not something that happened to him, which I think is how he views it. Like it, it, like getting in a car accident. Like he didn't get he didn't get blindsided by someone by by, by a drunk driver. You know, it didn't just happen to him. He caused it with his play, you know, and there's there's never been any recognition of that, which which I think comes comes through, came through in the press conference.
1: No, it's it's everybody else's fault. I think, again, you know, he was dealt a really raw hand. He was um, I mean, with with the Nick Foles thing. And I think had that happened in any other NFL market, it would be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a city and a fan base that was so starved for, for Super Bowl success. I mean, I I, I mean the, the fact I mean the fact that that there was a Nick Foles statue, I mean, again, like it just it just it's so difficult to and I, I in that sense I agree with you. I feel for him, I really do. Um, but there is no accountability. And I, I do think he is loving you know, holding the jersey up, taking the photos and, and you know, doing things with the social team and, and grabbing the phone and doing the selfie, you know, tweet, video, whatever. Um, and I think he believes that, you know, everything worked out the way it was supposed to, that Philly was this like kind of collegiate experience for him. Maybe he went to a school he didn't end up liking, still got his degree, he's out, he's ready to roll. Uh, but, but, I think he's a, a far more talented player than Jalen Hurts is. But again, I would, I will always take the Alpha with a capital A because that dude will will figure out a way. And I, and again, like this, this idea too that you know Green Bay was the moment it, it really ended for him. Like, like it had never once in his mind, you know, come across that that he was playing poorly before he yeah. was benched. Right. You know, like again, I just he seems incredibly narcissistic. And I think that there's a narcissistic quality to being the alpha with the A. But, mm. but if, you, if you don't have the skin to back it up, then you're just narcissistic dude who's sitting and patting in the corner when it doesn't go your way.
0: So, so as, as we've watched free agency unfold, the Eagles have done nothing. I mean, they haven't been able to do it. (laughs) You're laughing because for, for a good reason, because they literally have done nothing. And the, the cap, the cap situation is what it is because they were kicking the can down the road in 2018 and 2019 and trying to keep that window open in, in 2020. So here we are in 2021, four years removed from the Super Bowl, And this is a rebuilding football team. And so, um, do you think they go into next season with Jalen Hurts? And um, are you are you at all surprised that they haven't done anything in free agency so far?
1: I was surprised to see on the day that we're recording um, the connection to Juju Smith-Schuster. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I wish that Philly had landed him. That would have been a lot of fun. I would have <laughs> immediately followed him on TikTok. Um, and it would have been great because I think like that would have been, and I don't mean this as a slight to Juju, but that would have been potentially cancerous to an Eagles locker room that is already like teetering on the edge. Um, and because, I mean, imagine like the four game losing streak and then Juju's out here <laughs> dancing on a logo while the Eagles are losing 36 to 12 or whatever. Yeah. I don't know why that would be the score, but, That's an interesting um, story, Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I really hope the Eagles take a quarterback at six because that would feel like, yeah. like, forcing the issue I think it would be really wise of them to sit to chill to take whoever you want that to be there's a lot of different ways you can go there and in all likelihood you're going to have two first round picks next year one of them organically your own is going to be fairly high I mean it, it and you're going to have seemingly less competition at the quarterback position because it feels like now is when everybody's trying to grab their quarterbacks of the future I mean, I would just accept it. I would accept that, you know, it is Washington or Dallas is to lose. And, uh, and you're in a spot that kind of requires some more patience, but I mean, I don't know that that that's the Howie Roseman way. I mean, as much as I may or may not have some respect for him, if the Eagles draft a quarterback at six, I think that that sets up this cycle all over again, which Mm -hmm. which would honestly be kind of hilarious.
0: It would be hilarious. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you for laughing at us if that were to happen. (laughs) I I'm, I'm, I want to stay away from a quarterback at six and and give Jalen Hurts a year to to see what goes on because they're going to be bad this year and they're probably going to have a chance to to take another quarterback next year and, and or move up. You're right if they have two first rounders if if Carson Wentz plays well in Indianapolis, so um, no doubt about that. And I guess the uh, the other big rumor involving the Eagles this week and it was kind of uh, seconded almost I guess is how you would put it. Jason LaConfora had it uh, earlier this week is is the Deshaun Watson trade rumor which I wrote about for Bleeding Green Nation this week. I, I think that would be monumentally. Um, I love Deshaun Watson, great player, but the Eagles aren't one player away. The Eagles are actually kind of in the same place the Texans are. So why would the Eagles spend, you know, three first round picks and Jalen hurts to bring in Deshaun Watson and then have to pay him $40 million next year. Yeah. Carson's contract is off the books, but like you mentioned, it's such a huge advantage to have a quarterback on a rookie contract to, to go ahead. And when you're, when you've already got not a lot on the shelves to go, then bringing a quarterback who's going to cost you $40 million starting next year. It just doesn't make any sense to me. How legit are those trade rumors? Do you think?
1: I, um I mean, I think that, I think you have to call, right? Like, so in that sense, I think that they're, they're fair, you know, and, and somewhat substantiated, but I mean, and we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Obviously there's a lot to that situation right now. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I were the Eagles and if I if I wanted to go down that route, which I, I don't think would be wise, I, I mean, wasn't I, I feel like I might be misremembering. Russell Wilson was like connected to the Eagles in 2012 or there was something there. Like, I think you you revisit that, like mm-hmm. they're clearly willing to listen to offers. And I mean, that changes. And he's, again, not the best locker room presence himself. But that changes who you are. That gives you a shot now. Um, and I think Howie Roseman, again, for all his faults is a fairly creative general manager. So if you're going to do something, that's the route. I think that, that if you, if I'm up against the wall, I have to pick one. I'd I'd rather go, um, that particular avenue, but, but yeah, I think either, either one of those things are just like, um, it reminds me of like, um, you've seen Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: A long time ago, but yeah.
1: Right. The the whole point of the movie is looking for this Turbo Man action figure for his son for Christmas. And, and every store he goes to, they're sold out, but they have all of his sidekick. Um, his sidekick's name is Booster. And so, like, um, nobody wants the Booster doll. And, like, right now, not that Russell Wilson is a Booster, but, like, that's not what the Eagles need, you know? And I understand that it's tempting, um, but, I mean, this, a lot, ha- like, time has to happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to separate yourself. You have to put distance between, you know, point X and the future. And I think that's what the Eagles need. They need time to heal this, like, it's not even like the the scar is fresh. Like the scar started to heal and then the Carson Winston just like ripped the scar open and poured salt all in it. You just have to let it sit. Like it's it's like when, I mean, I'm not like a world-class athlete, but like when, when people that are like break their leg or something and the doctor's like, you literally can't do anything. You have to sit on the couch and they have a hard time struggling with it. I think right now you need rest, relaxation and lots of fluids.
0: Well, I think we do our... <laughs> we're going to we're going to hook ourselves up to an IV and and see what we can do here this year. And uh, hopefully for our sake, it's just a a one year blip, but it feels longer than that. And anyway, um, what do you have going on over at blogging the boys and uh, with the with the podcast that you do and uh, for the SB Nation NFL show, RJ?
1: Just um, now that Dak watches is over complaining about the Cowboys entry agency and, and getting ready for the draft. Um, obviously, there are a number of ways the Cowboys can go with the 10th overall pick. There is a Kyle Pitts contingency, as I think there is for every NFL fan base at this yeah. point. Uh, but that would be particularly spicy for the Cowboys uh, with all of their offensive toys already. Uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we're trying to do a lot of stuff on YouTube this off season. So the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel is there. Uh, we do some live streams and different discussions and stuff. And um, I'm really fascinated to kind of dig into the new TV deals thing. And I am a DirecTV customer myself, uh, not a free ad. But I'm potentially excited about a future where I don't have to have DirecTV. And so um, honestly, and, and maybe this is a, a great place to kind of feel my question. I'm looking for like some, some stuff to just kind of chill right now. While every, I'm hoping everything chills. I'm thinking about watching the Snyder Cut, thinking about watching, uh, what is it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. (laughs) Yeah, I want to see that. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, checking all that stuff out, too.
0: All right, man. Well, listen, make sure you're checking out all of RJ's stuff over at bloggingtheboys.com. Follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. RJ, you're one of my favorites, man. Thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it, John. Go Phillies.
0: And folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Again, my thanks to RJ for coming on the podcast once again, one of my favorites to have on the show. Folks, don't forget to leave a rating and a review at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, and uh, let us know what you think of this particular show, Eye on the Enemy. We'd love to hear your thoughts and anything you'd like to see me do on the podcast, uh, as long as it doesn't involve me dressing up in anything weird. Um, and uh, don't don't forget to continue coming back to BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for the latest Eagles news news. news and rumors in what will probably be a slower offseason but we're also getting ready for the NFL draft here which is going to be a huge one for this football team so we will have every rumor we'll have every little nugget we'll have every bit of analysis coming your way both at bleedinggreennation.com and on the bleeding green nation podcast feed thanks everybody for tuning in I'll talk to you next time here on eye on the enemy
1: B G N.